Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quick talk. Fast talk. Street talk. Talk radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Radio you can believe in. Mike Graham speaking common sense unto the nation. On talk radio. Good morning, welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio as we hurtle towards another fabulous weekend in the beautiful sunshine uh, of this fine country. Yesterday, uh, we started off the show with Daniel from Surrey, who basically said that he thought he'd had enough of living here. He wanted to move to Australia. He thought that this country was done, that it was dusted. Well, we decided to go the other way and actually say, we can save the country, we can salvage the country. All we have to do is think positively and do the right thing. Excuse me. Imagine my surprise last night when I discovered that Sadiq Khan had finally done the right thing and got rid of Cressida Dick, the head of the Metropolitan Police. We've asked him to come on this morning to explain who's going to replace her, but of course we're not holding out much hope. We've asked him about 25,000 times to come on this show, to come on Talk Radio, but he never actually has. Perhaps we can now look forward, though, to a proper investigation at Downing Street, which will be concluded sooner rather than later. Perhaps we can also look forward to some proper protection from crime, if you are a Londoner. And perhaps we can even hope for an end to the epidemic of violence attacks all over the city. Richard Tice joins us first up today to tell us why he thinks this is a watershed moment for the mayor and not just for London, for the whole country because policing in this country needs to be fixed. They're not properly reducing crime. They're not even investigating crime. I'll be telling you a couple of stories of my own uh, that tell you why the police isn't working in this country. And Priti Patel, for heaven's sake, she should be ashamed of herself. All she's got to say is, oh, nobody told me. Somebody should have called me. She's the Home Secretary. How could she not know what is going on in her own department? 0344 499 1000. We'll also be talking to Nusrat Matal, former Scotland Yard superintendent, of course, as well. Also, coming up, we'll be talking to a former prisoner, Johnny Gilbert, because there's talk now of making apprenticeships available to people in prison. Probably quite a good idea. We'll see what you think of that. Ross Clark is going to be joining us as well from The Spectator. And also, electricity rationing. It's getting so expensive now that people are going to have to choose when to switch it on. For heaven's sake, 0344 499 1000. You're listening to Talk Radio. It is, of course, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Time to say a very good morning to Mr. Richard Tice. Richard, how the day Hey, very you? good morning. I'm very well, and it is a bright Isn't and it? cheery day out there. But yeah. also, I'm feeling bright. Good. Because actually, as a Londoner, I was just delighted mm. by the news that finally, actually, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due. 
And I haven't given much credit to Sadiq Khan. He's not worthy of much credit, to be Um, honest. But here, actually, finally, the penny has dropped with him. Yes. That uh, Cressida Dick was not up to the job. Yeah. And essentially... Uh, he has. Uh, he basically pushed her. He fired her. But as many people are asking this morning, how has it taken this long for him to look, work out that she couldn't do what she look, was it's, charged with? It's a really good question. It's taken way too long. I mean, it's only a few months ago that Khan, uh, um, Priti Patel, and the Prime Minister yeah. reappointed her, re-extended her contract for another two years with the, the glowing reference that she was the continuity candidate. Yes. Well, um, no surprise that actually that continuity... Uh, turned out not to be good enough for a whole raft of reasons. I actually think that in the spirit of the glass is half full, not half empty, Mm. and the spirit of optimism, we should look forwards and not sort of rake over the charge sheet of failures. We know what those are. Yes, They're long. uh, It's taken far too long to to hold her to account. But the big question now, Mike, is who's going to replace her? And I do think this is a watershed moment. It is. Not just for the Met Police, but also for policing and leadership in policing across the whole country. And the first thing to happen is that there shouldn't be a rush to replace her. Mm. She said that she'll stay until there's a replacement. This is a moment, it's a really big opportunity for the leadership of this country to step back, to reflect on the failure of policing in general across Mm. the country. Remembering that it's only about 6% of crimes now end up with someone being actually charged, let alone convicted. That's wholly unacceptable. You've got to say, right, what is it that we need to change? And in my view, Mike, um, I don't think that the buck stops just with Cressida Dick. And the idea that you should rush to a replacement, and if you look at the newspapers, they're all talking about some of the the sort of the deputies and assistant commissioners in the Met. No, 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 that's totally unimaginative. Mm. I think that would, would sell us completely short in the status quo. Actually, I don't think any of those people should be on the potential candidate list. Um, I think this is a moment to say, right, let's look outside the police, not just outside the... Well, you mean actually go for somebody who's never been a police officer? I would go for someone who's who's never been a police officer. For example, a a senior uh, officer from the armed forces, whether current or recently retired, I think would have the skills, the understanding... Uh, and the motivational techniques to um, to come in and, frankly, to shake the tree and to sort it out. Yeah. And not one person can do it. They need to bring in a team. Um, and I think this is a really, really big opportunity. Uh, and if the, if the leadership does the right thing, if Khan and Priti Patel do the right thing, it's an exciting opportunity. Press the reset button yeah. on behalf of Londoners and citizens around the country and say, right... We accept things are not good enough. We accept things have gone wrong. Uh, Let's embark upon some real change. Because, you know, you look at the armed forces, isn't it interesting? Whenever there's a crisis in this country um, regarding things like logistics, rolling out the vaccines, uh, helping sort out the the shortage of fuel last Mm. autumn, where where does the government go? Do they go to their existing departments? Or do they go to the armed forces? Mm. They always end up going for the armed forces to help sort things out. Right. And this is a moment, I believe, where high-quality leadership, and there is some fantastic leadership in the armed forces, where it's all about teamwork, it's all about yeah. discipline, it's all about working together but getting results. And that, that for me, is, is, is why I don't think this appointment should be rushed. Just calm heads, step back, think about it, really look mm. around... 
But of course, those who would be critical of the decision by Sadiq Khan to kind of put her under pressure, because when he said the other day, you know, she's going to she's going to have a few days and maybe a couple of weeks to come up with a plan. I didn't really believe that he was. I thought he was just bluffing. I didn't think he would actually do anything. She's decided to resign. There are those who say, well, he didn't really fire her. She resigned. Well, it doesn't really matter which way around that happened. But at the end of the day, people will say, isn't it the fault of Sadiq Khan and Priti Patel and even Boris Johnson? that the Metropolitan Police has been run like this and it's their fault and whoever they replace her with will be in the same boat. Look, I think the bottom line is they took too long mm. to hold her to account and ultimately it was Sadiq Khan that held her to account. Yes, happy to agree that. And the charge sheet, as I say, was, was long and, and uh, in many senses shocking. But uh, we are where we are and <clears throat> I think you've got to say, look, this is the moment when you've actually got to accept, look, leaders have to be held to account in the same way that we hold the prime minister to account for what goes on mm. in number 10 and in, in government, in the same way that Sakir Starmer, I don't think he's afraid of being held to account for his performance when he was at the CPS right. overall, and I'm sure some things went well and some things went badly. That's what leading a big organisation is all about. But leaders have to be held to account. They have to have the courage to put the hand up and say, we got this wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry, we're learning from it, we won't do it again. And eventually, if you keep doing things wrong, you have to pay the ultimate yes. price. Yes, and that's, she that's, kept that's getting what... it wrong, did she not, for a very long time. In fact, ever since really she was in. Yes. I mean, you, you, you chart back and you say we don't want to go over the old ground, and we don't specifically. However, almost from day one, it was a disaster. It's, it's a long charge sheet of failure. But you know, I come from the world of business, and in business, if you're the, the, the CEO or the chairman of a, of a big big business then yeah, you get some things wrong and your shareholders and your board of directors will put up with mm. this and that but ultimately if you keep getting things wrong you keep making mistakes then uh, you will be held accountable yeah. and you will be fired and presumably you also have to bring people in that you can one trust and two rely upon to make sure that if you are trying to change the culture of something they're going to do it for you that's which right. clearly hasn't happened so and, nobody and, was doing what she was asking them to do presumably and that's why i don't think there is a real cultural issue and the report into what went on in charing cross police station yeah. <clears throat> you know i just don't think that's an isolated incident no of 14 people no. and i'm afraid i also know, I, think that's a national problem as well well and i think the real issue is that there is a sense of cover up and denial mm. certainly across the met quite possibly culturally across many police forces. And I listened earlier to uh, the chairman of the Police Federation, Ken Marshall, yes. and I'm afraid I disagree with him. I think that his <coughs> support for Cressida Dick actually shows that there's a lack of willingness in the police, in the Met, for people to be held to account. Mm. And I just don't think that's good enough. No, I just think things have deteriorated to such an extent. Look, we all pay our taxes... And all of us in our lives, in our jobs, we all get held to account to perform, to do a good job. And I think that it's right in the leadership of all public sector uh, departments and, and divisions, uh, and, and in this case, the police. And, and the police is, you know, trust in police has absolutely collapsed, not just in London, but across the whole country. Well, the other thing that I'm hopeful about uh, concerning this is that perhaps this will also be a sort of clarion call for all public sector areas where seemingly not doing a very good job not only results in you not being fired, but results in you being promoted, you know? I mean, look at the way that all these departments are being run, where we're told that in the National um, Department of Health, 
something like one in four people is actually at work currently in an office, right? Most of them working from home. We know the DVLA is completely and utterly useless. Hardly anybody actually bothers going to work. I think the only place that's actually operating efficiently, much to my chagrin, is the tax department, <coughs> uh, HMRC, which doesn't <laughs> seem to ever let take their foot off the gas. But, I mean, I was telling this story the other day. I drive into work. I didn't today. Um, and my car's parked in a car park. But I drive into work coming in from sort of, you know, Canary Wharf Way. I was pulled over by, by a sort of spot police check. There were about 30 police officers down a side road looking at people's cars. Now, I'm sure that that's probably worthwhile, but it seemed to me to be an awful lot of people when they surely could have done it with five or ten. And the questions were such as, is this your car? You know, do you have insurance? Can I see your licence? Where are you going? I'm kind of going, what the hell are they doing here? I, I couldn't agree more. I think it is a question of priorities, and I've seen similar things. And... I think accountability is absolutely key. For example, uh, in the health service, recently they had a change of leadership when Sir Simon Stevens left. They had the opportunity to bring in someone from the outside. They didn't. They appointed an insider, yeah. uh, Amanda Pritchard. And uh, I'm afraid, here we are, a couple of months later, and the health secretary stands up in the House of Commons and says, we're pouring in billions and billions of pounds of more money, mm. and the result will be, over the next couple of years, waiting lists will double right. to even higher record Brilliant. levels, 10, 12, yes. 30 million. We're all losing count. I mean, that's not accountability. That's not performance. And then that's... two days later, they retracted that rather miserable target anyway and said, actually, it's going to be even worse than we said it was going to be. And we're actually not going to even think about reducing numbers until about 2025, three years hence. And that's why this is such a moment, mm. such a potential watershed. If the leadership of the Home Secretary... Uh, if the Mayor of London and the Prime Minister, if they have the courage to step up and just say, right, let's just pause, let's use this. This is a moment of accountability. And, and I will repeat, <clears throat> you know, many listeners, we've all been very critical of the Mayor of London. But in at this moment, the right thing has happened. Forget how it's happened mm. and the, who made what right. phone call. Frankly, I don't care. I mean, the result is the right result. This is the moment. Step back, <clears throat> look carefully look outside the box, think boldly, think ambitiously, yeah. let's do something different to get change. If you're not prepared to try something different, Mike, you'll never get change. And not only is it for the Met Police, mm. but it's for policing up and down the country. Yeah. And that's why I don't just want another half-decent chief constable yes. from elsewhere in the country being um, sort of parachuted right. into the Met. And promoted up up the ladder. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no. If I'm not mistaken, are they still not in special measures in the, in the Manchester police area? I, 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 I believe I they're, they're either they're either still in <clears throat> or just coming out of it. I find if I'm going to be talking about mm. Greater Manchester uh, and the mayor up there on Sunday right. about something else, right. but uh, I you know I think look if you've got a good uh, chief constable somewhere else, leave them in post doing a good job, <clears throat> bring someone else in. But this is that watershed moment, and if that was done and if that worked, it's then the moment to say actually we should be looking at doing that across rafts of the public sector bring in great people, successful people ah. from another walk of life who haven't been in the public sector to come in, shake the tree, bring in some great people and sort things out and get some better performance. Yeah. Because, you know, we're paying the highest taxes we've paid for 70 Unbelievable. years. Unbelievable. Many people would say, well, I don't mind that as long as I'm getting the greatest performance for 70 years. But frankly, if we're going to get worse and worse performance, more and more people but say, we're not. 
what am I going? To, what am I paying my taxes yeah, for? Absolutely. And that's why it's such. And a do you know what I've also seen? I wanted to bring this up with you, Martin Lewis. I don't know if you saw this morning has put out a tweet in which he explains that the one point two five or the one yeah one point two five rise in national insurance is actually an awful lot more than that. Once you amortise it, sort of over whatever period of time you're paying it, and and over a specific amount of money that you're making, it's actually uh, more like a ten percent increase in your taxes. Uh, correct. It's well, it's it's because it's a ten percent increase in the amount of national insurance mm. that is paid. Right. And of course, it's not just you, the employee, that's paying. No, it's the employer. It's the employer as so well. So if you're somebody like me, uh, who has a company and who also has employees, I'm going to be paying two point five percent. Yes, correct. Right, and that's that's how you end Wonderful. up with this this sum of twelve billion quid. And if you're just going to pour it into uh, a huge sort of a huge hole, a massive bucket yeah. with no demand, which for is not going to result in anything. Well, again, I think if people knew that that would result in radical change, but the only change we're getting is that waiting lists are growing from five or six million to about <clears throat> 12 or 14 million. Let's remember when the Tories took charge back in 2010, the waiting lists were not four million. They weren't three million. They were just over two million. So even pre-pandemic, they'd gone from just over 2 million to around about 4 plus million. Ah. So, you know, that's a pretty catastrophic rise. And then they're soaring ever since. And yet more and more money is being poured in. And here's the rub. Mm. Lots of people will say in the hills, oh, it just needs more money. No, no, no. No. Uh, look, sorry. It's exactly what it doesn't need. The truth is that actually the amount of money per capita, per head, that the NHS gets is very similar to the European average. It's similar to the OECD average. Mm. It's not a lack of money. It's a lack of performance. Yeah. It's too many managers. It's not enough doctors. You look at the ratios, the number of beds or nurses or doctors yeah. uh, per 100,000, we're way below the yeah. European average. But and it's yet, also. Yet we invest the same, yeah. give or take the average. But it's also a failure of management. It's a failure of administration. I mean, we were talking about dentists yesterday. There's 40 million people apparently in this country waiting for a dental appointment. And most dentists are now basically saying, we don't even bother with the NHS anymore. We just don't do the work because it's not worthwhile. And so. And when you've got that lack of confidence, whether it's in dentistry or bringing it back to policing, you've, you've got situations, and we all know it, where actually people just, if a crime happens, you almost say, well, I'll get a crime reference number, but that's it. I don't expect anything else to happen. You know, I saw it recently with a situation, uh, which I think I mentioned before, where you know we had the CCTV footage. Yeah. We gave it to the police, and sure enough, uh, nothing happened, nothing will happen. They actually know who's done it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's just too embarrassing. They're a bit concerned. Uh, that it might cause issues mm. if they go and actually chase them up. It's just not good enough. No, it really isn't. Richard, stay where you are. We're going to take a little break. Uh, we are talking about the police, the removal of Cressida Dick, finally, uh, after a very, very long time and a very hard road of mistakes. Who are they going to replace her with? What are they going to be doing? We'll take your calls, of course, as ever, uh, on the police, because it's not just a London story. This affects the entire uh, fighting of crime up and down the country. If you're in Manchester, do tell us what's going on up there, because if the police are still uh, in special measures, we would love to know the answer to that. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Standing up for the little guy. Full contact, common sense conversation. Smart speaker, smart TV. We're on your side. Powered by common sense. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is Friday. We are heading towards another big weekend. The sky is blue. It's looking lovely actually out there. A little bit frosty this morning. Uh, but if you are out and about uh, and you are out working or not working, do let us know what you're doing because we're still, I would say, plagued uh, by the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday squad. I can't tell you what we call them because that would be wrong <laughs> and probably illegal. 
So, uh, Richard Tyson's here. He works on Friday. He actually works on Sunday, never mind working not 24-7. Monday and Friday. But, I mean, there is, isn't it interesting that there are still people who are only now working three days a week, Monday and Friday, very much quieter when you're on public transport or on the roads or anything? I think that probably is, in terms of office workers in city centres, yeah. I think that is the new normal. And uh, whether you like you it or not... don't think that's going to change? I don't, actually. I think that's, uh, that is the new situation. Right. Many people will argue that's a win-win. And, and it... If people are productive at home as an office worker and they've got a moment where they need a bit of quiet reflection, writing a report, reading a dull report, maybe that's the right thing. So, you know, I'm I'm willing to look at change. You know what I heard last night from somebody who actually works here? Her boyfriend apparently comes into work on a Thursday because they all go out for a drink afterwards. And so I'm not sure this is a healthy kind of development in terms of, you But that, know, that was always the case. And I don't think you should begrudge that after, no, I don't mean after the, you I don't, no, the office. No, listen, no, I go out for a drink as <laughs> exactly. often as possible. In fact, I was out rather late last night with my daughter. But well, what I'm saying is that the one day they come into work is because they're going out for a drink. Well, and again, if that's part of team building at the end of the day, towards the end of the week, sharing ideas, just like sort of brainstorming, mm. I'm all up for that. Okay. Um, I don't mind the, the concept of change as long as ultimately, uh, people perform. Yes. And we've talked about performance but, earlier. And, but, and ultimately, that's what a boss is going to want. Sure. Are you performing? But you and I have also spoken in the past about por- a portfolios, property, pensions, all of those you know, P words that people know about that in the city are very important for the longevity of not only um, our own investments in the future, but also just in the general well-being of a city. Yes, you indeed. And, and there's no question, uh, but you know, people haven't got that much sympathy for sort of commercial landlords. They'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, values go up, rents go up and down. Mm. <clears throat> the really important thing from a city's point of view is what happens at the ground level, yeah. at street level. And there will be an impact. Mm. If people are only in the office three days a week, then in a sense, you're only going to need uh, sort of, what is it, six tenths, 60 percent of the number of, of bars, of pubs, of restaurants, of dry cleaners. And doesn't that then mean 60%, of, shoe repairers? 60% of the jobs that were previously there then? And, and that's doesn't the issue. And, th- and that is an issue... Uh, and that will result in change. And actually, yeah. what that will mean is that shops will need to pay lower rents. Because, of course, the truth is that a shop can't only open three days a week because you think that's when the office workers. You're going to have to be still be open five or six days a week yeah. as a high street shop. Uh, and therefore, it's it's going to be a bit tougher for you. And that's why I think, you know, there will be change. And that's why, actually, you've got to look at change the whole uh, structure of business rates. Mm. I'm very much a fan of scrapping business rates for right. small and medium-sized businesses, replacing it with a online delivery tax to give the high street, whether it's in city centres mm. or town centres or villages, um, a more level playing yes. field. Because what people chance. have forgotten about, and I was talking to a, a business owner yesterday about this, is that the energy prices and the crisis in energy, which, while it's very, very bad for people with houses and flats, is also awful and worse, actually, for businesses. I was oh, talking to uh, Adam Brooks yesterday, who's got a couple of pubs. He's got one pub in which he says that he's going to have to find £25,000 more to pay his electricity bill. That's right. The, um, in a sense... Uh, businesses, particularly small businesses, they are the forgotten victims of the energy crisis because, yes, they may have fixed it for a bit, but they've got the benefit of, you know, they haven't got the cap and uh, they've got to pay uh, the increase in prices and it will be absolutely monumentally huge Mm. 
for many firms, some of whom may say, I can't carry on. Right. Indeed, let's remember, it was the company, the fertiliser business in Scotland, that had to be subsidised to yes. stay open in, right. order to, in order, bizarrely, to produce yeah. CO2 that right. was needed, that was critical in the food industry, right. um, because they said the energy bills were too high. So, you know, that is a, uh, a key component mm. of the energy crisis, the increase in prices. But I do think we've got to be optimistic, Mike. You know, the, the sky is blue, Crested Dick's gone, yeah. COVID restrictions are being eased. I know, it's an amazing again, how COVID for is For the gone. second time, you know, I know many people, whatever your views of Boris Johnson, again, credit where credit's due, I think he's making the right decision to ease the restrictions early. I think it does give hope and enthusiasm to all of us. Yeah. Getting rid of those restrictions. Should we not be nominating Marty Reynolds for a knighthood for dropping him so much <laughs> in the doo-doo that he's now had to actually do something right? Oh, look, maybe maybe that's the unintended beneficial <laughs> consequence of, of this utter fiasco. Yeah. That um, you know we've got some some good news. We've mm. got uh, the, a easing of the uh, the testing requirement when you travel back into the UK. We're hearing today that Gatwick is going to reopen at South Terminal. Right. Uh, all of this stuff actually and is encouraging. Gonna, and all restrictions are going to be gone. All restrictions will be gone. I think we're one of the first countries yeah. in the world uh, on this. And I think actually, look, we can lead the way on this. Mm. We can show people but don't you how worry, it's done. Though, and I don't wish to put a dampener on your optimism, but you know, don't you worry as well, though, that people, as they continue to move out of all of this, and as we kind of move on from Partygate, which seems to be what a lot of people are now doing, that we'll just forget all about it, and we'll forget to, to hold these people to account, and forget to say to them, don't ever do that to us again. I, I don't think people will forget, actually, the, the fact that the people who were setting the rules and making the rules and who were terrifying the nation mm. with a deliberate propaganda process yeah. of fear yes. that actually they weren't afraid themselves. They didn't share that fear. They didn't have that right. fear. And I don't think people will forget that. I mean, that it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were still seeing these ridiculous adverts with people with black yes. things coming out of their mouth yeah. saying, you know, COVID is everywhere. You must keep windows open. I, I, I was in a pub the other day, right? And the woman came from behind the bar and, and opened the door. And I'm going, it's a bit cold, darling. you mind uh, closing that? Well, look on the bright side. We're not chopping the bottom off doors in England. No, and apparently the SNP say they never said that, even though it's actually on record that Nicola Sturgeon said it. No, so I don't think we will forget uh, what people in Number 10 uh, did to us, mm. uh, Those that, that complete hypocrisy. But there are other big issues, and whether or not how the Prime Minister, whether he lasts weeks or months, yeah. I don't think he lasts years, and... Uh, we we have got to move on, and there are some other massive challenges. Mm. You've got the international challenges around Ukraine. We've got the uh, the challenges around uh, energy prices, the challenges around healthcare, mm. uh, the absurd levels of taxes yeah. that we're paying, the massive amount of waste in the public sector. There's plenty of challenges that we've got to get our teeth into. We've talked about policing, um, but I, I just feel that occasionally the glasses, uh, you know, we've got to be optimistic, and this morning is definitely one of those. I'm very pleased to see it, Richard Tice, a man of optimism. He'll be back on Sunday at ten o'clock. People say, "What are you going to talk about when COVID's over?" Do you see what I'm saying? There's plenty. Don't worry, we'll be here all day. And all night, uh, this is Talk Radio. Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Accept no substitutes. Listen online. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are here with you all the way through until one o'clock when it's time for Ian Collins. He'll be taking over from us then. And you can listen all the way through, of course, all the way through the afternoon and the evening. Rob Rinder from four, Kevin O'Sullivan from seven. We've got some news from Kevin coming up a little bit later on in the show. But 
if you aren't doing it already, what you should be doing is actually watching us because we are now Talk Radio TV, Apple TV, Rakuten, Samsung TV+, Roku, YouTube, Amazon Fire TV as well. Also, we're launching Talk TV uh, coming up sooner than you think. Piers Morgan's joining us and there's going to be a whole host of great programming going out there uh, that you could watch uh, both through the morning, through the evening, in, in the afternoon and even overnight. It's going to be the new way to watch TV and it's going to be better than anything you've ever seen. I promise you that. 0344 499 1000. Also, of course, Cressida Dick uh, has been uh, let go, shall we say. She's resigned, but she was more or less uh, leaving before she was pushed, right? Uh, she also uh, has been blamed for a whole hideous array of hopelessness that the Metropolitan Police has been responsible for, all the way going back to the shooting of Jean-Charles de Menezes. Richard Tice was talking about all of the things that she got wrong, all the way leading up, of course, to uh, the uh, investigation into Downing Street. Why they're doing that is anybody's guess. Now, perhaps things will start moving a bit quicker. Maybe they'll draw a line under it. Maybe they'll put somebody in charge who can actually do a decent job. Let's have a listen to Cresta Dick, as we now know uh, that she's gone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We don't have that. No, we don't have it. Never mind. Let's talk to Nazareth Mitab instead, former Scotland Yard superintendent. We'll get that Christopher Dick video for you uh, in a moment. Uh, Nazareth, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. I must confess, I was quite stunned yesterday. I got a text message from my producer, Izzy, and I thought, really? Are you sure? Are you sure this has actually happened? Um, and I was really, really amazed that Sadiq Khan actually did what he said he was going to do. Well, yeah, I think um, her going was always inevitable. It's a matter of timing. Yeah. And actually, that's the surprise for everybody, because a few hours earlier, she was on radio saying, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Right. And I'm going to be actually um, here for, and sort this out, implement, transform, change. I think what's happened is few, uh, last week, Sadiq Khan put her on notice and said he wanted urgently an effective plan 
to regain trust and confidence because let's face it my trust and confidence is completely gone for the members of the public especially when you look at all the reaction that we're getting now and the only plan that she came up with was sending a letter to her troops saying enough is enough mm. and we lose public consent so i'm not surprised that she actually um, resigned because uh, the mayor had called her back to see what was done and before as you rightly said before she was pushed she took the decision to go so absolutely no surprise right decision made i think we've now got what sir krista dick had to say let's have a watch following contact with the mayor of london today it is quite clear that the mayor no longer has sufficient confidence in my leadership of the Metropolitan Police Service for me to continue as commissioner. He has left me no choice but to step aside. I say this with deep sadness and regret. The murder of Sarah Everard and many other awful cases recently have, I know, damaged confidence in this fantastic police service. There is much to do, and I know that the Met has turned its full attention to rebuilding trust and confidence and to raising our standards. Do you think there was a final straw, Nazareth? Because obviously the Sarah Everard case is quite a long time ago now. Um, the Charing Cross incident that we knew about last week is, you know, awful but certainly not unexpected and no worse than what's come before. What was it, do you think, that was the final straw? It's a combination, but I think that the public tide is turning against Crusader Dick. Mm. It's turning against the Met and these continuous disasters. I think the public don't have confidence and the Londoners, Londoners have had enough. Enough is enough and they wanted action. And actually, I'm impressed with Sadiq Khan because he's read the public mood, unlike Christina Dick, who's totally ignored what the public are saying. She's lost trust and confidence and she just could not grip to regain what she needed to do. And that's what's really there. For me, it's just that the whole, she's realised that the, she cannot gain that public confidence. No. And it, but you know more than most people, Nazrit, about the inner workings of the Metropolitan Police, some of which are rather unsavoury, to say the least. Um, is it possible to find somebody who can make these changes that everybody wants to see? Absolutely. It needs real change. It needs somebody with courage, somebody who's bold, who's not going to be afraid to shake Met Police. And there are lots of big hitters, obviously. You know, is it going to be somebody internal? Is it going to be somebody external? For me, Mike, it should be, in the first place, an independent elected post, just as our mayoral post is. So the people of London can choose. People of London can decide who they want. They've had five years of a reign for Crusader Dick, which has really wore people down. Lost confidence of uh, women and girls with the whole... Vilification. Uh, Vilification and the way that they uh, police that visual. Yeah. That's in confidence so now we have to have somebody that's going to come back and just give it a good old shake that's not going to be afraid to do that Christina Dick just didn't have that grip she just couldn't do it she just couldn't sort out this internal mess mm. and what happened is it's just grown and people have been it's been allowed to fester prevail and it's become unfortunately the ethos of the organization right let's have a look and see what Sadiq Khan had to say about why this has happened Last week, I made clear to the 
Metropolitan Police Commissioner, the scale of the change, I believe, is urgently required to rebuild the trust and confidence of Londoners in the Met and to root out the racism, sexism, homophobia, bullying, discrimination and misogyny that still exists. I am not satisfied with the Commissioner's response. On being informed of this, Dame Cressida Dick has offered her resignation, which I have accepted. It's clear that the only way to start to deliver the scale of the change required is to have new leadership right at the top of the Metropolitan Police. Do you think there's any chance, Lizrit, that the water was lapping around uh, his ankles a little bit and he thought, we better get rid of this woman before it starts to rise up above my knees? Well, I think that's the conversation he was going to be having with her. <laughs> given the opportunity, she took that away from him. Um, I think this is a long time coming and I wish that um, the action was taken five, six months ago before they renewed her contract. Yeah. In that five, six months, actually, Graham, things have got so much worse that the public and the whole public opinion has swayed really detrimentally against Cressida Dick. And she so much confidence of women, girls, minorities, people of London. And they we deserve better. Mm. I'm a people of London deserve better. They do. But, I mean, Richard Tyson and I were talking about how this is not just a London story in a way, although it is the Metropolitan Police. It's the biggest police um, department in the country. In Manchester, the police are still in special measures, I think. I'm right in saying. Um, the whole culture of the police in the country needs to change along with whatever happens in London, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's, you know, I've gone on about this toxic culture. There's a subculture that's created. This is a wider issue than the Met. We are focusing on the Met because they seem to be the most disastrous force. Story after story is the Met. It's not about GMP or any other forces. And this is an international issue as well. So the focus needs to be on policing. Policing needs a total rehaul, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you we've had inquiry after inquiry, but you don't can't change a culture with an inquiry. Mm. You need total rehaul. And what so happens to Cressida Dick now once she leaves? Does she stay as a police officer? Does she go into some other role? Does she become a you know head of a quango? What happens to her? She'll go and do what she needs to do. She may even become a baroness if that's after a dame. So I think she'll become a member of the public. She'll make comment on everything. And maybe she can actually tell us some of the challenges and difficulties she's faced and why it's been so disastrous for her. Yeah, absolutely right. Even as we speak, Nazrit, we've got some breaking news about uh, Metropolitan Police Sergeant uh, George Panny, uh, who apparently was found to have kissed an officer's cheek uh, that's apparently been ruled as misconduct. I don't know what the circumstances are. I don't really know that story. Um, but you don't really expect the police to be going around kissing each other, do you? Well, you know, there's a balance in this case, um, imbalance rather, because uh, that particular case, he's a sergeant. And what actually happened was this behaviour and conduct towards was towards uh, a PC. It doesn't matter what rank you are. That's inappropriate behaviour. That is not the behaviour that we expect from professionals at work mm. and some it's absolutely horrendous so this is the subculture that's been allowed to continue and fester and this is you know this comes back to supervision if you go back to the iopc report mike one of the things they found is that actually there was a shortage of supervisors and when complaints were being made to supervisors they didn't take them seriously yeah. they can banter 
and laddish behavior. Banter and laddish behavior is some is derogatory, it's unacceptable. Yeah. So he's done. And this is the new person that comes in, whoever it is, he, she, whether they're internal candidate, whether they're external, or even an independent person who's elected by um, the people of London, will have to look internally at processes, will have to look at systems, you know, the grievance process, how can we amend this process to make sure the people that complain within the system are taken seriously and supported? Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be uh, an opposition uh, candidate, really, to the whole system. It's going to be somebody who uh, is willing to take it on and, will and able to take it on and, and in a position to actually change things, really. Nuzrit, thank you very much indeed. Nuzrit Metab there, former Scotland Yard superintendent, on the sacking, effectively, of Cressida Dick. Yes, she did resign technically, but anybody who thinks that she resigned rather than was fired, uh, I think uh, needs to have a good look uh, in the mirror because, quite clearly, she went unwillingly. She didn't want to resign. She didn't want to leave and I'm afraid uh, that is the end of that 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number more breaking news for you Neil Coyle who is of course a Labour MP uh, for Bermondsey not a million miles from uh, from where we are now has had the whip suspended following allegations that he made racist comments to a journalist on the parliamentary estate according to a spokesman of the Labour Party be kind this is Talk Radio. For the common people. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is a beautiful day out there. Whatever you're doing, if you're working, uh, good on you. Uh, if you're going down to the pub to buy some beer, also good on you because that is my campaign today uh, and possibly for the rest of the month. We're trying to get some money back into the coffers of our publicans because they've lost so much. Five billion plus over the course of the last pandemic because, of course, of the way that nobody was able to go to the pub for such a long time. And just in beer sales alone, uh, they have lost that. Of course, many of you will be saying, well, hang on a minute, we haven't got any money because our energy bills have gone up so much that we can't actually afford to go to the pub. And I totally accept that. But anything you can do to help uh, is much appreciated. Even if you go in uh, and buy a packet of crisps or go in and have uh, a bottle of Coca-Cola or something like that. We're going to speak to Ruth London in a moment from Fuel Poverty Action because an awful lot of people are actually in now such bad ways financially that they won't be able to put the heating on. Thankfully, it is getting a little bit warmer, so at least we're not actually going into winter, but we are still coming out of winter, and so it still could be pretty chilly over the course of the next few weeks. We'll find out from her uh, whether anyone who's got any idea of what the future prices are going to be has actually come up with a good idea for keeping them down, because if I don't see anything happening from the government's perspective about energy prices, they're more or less throwing their hands in the air and saying, it's nothing to do with us, we can't really control it. It's happening all over the world. Well, surely there's something that can be done. Uh, also, Labour MP Neil Coyle has apparently apologised uh, for allegedly racist comments he made to a journalist on the parliamentary estate, describing them as insensitive. And he says he's apologised to everyone involved. Well, that's all right then. Well done, Neil. Uh, you just go ahead. Say whatever you fancy and then just say sorry. A bit like Kurt Zuma. Kick a cat around the house and then just say you're sorry. Say the cat's fine. His brother has been suspended and taken off uh, footballing duties from Dagenham and Redbridge. Surely that's what West Ham should be doing. We'll take more of your calls on that as well. 0344 We're also still talking about Cressida Dick. Uh, she resigned yesterday. She's no longer the head of Metropolitan Police. Who should be the next candidate? 
and who should be in charge of appointing that person? 03444991000 is the number. Kevin O'Sullivan coming up a little bit later on in the hour. Also, the Perry Rewards with Yorkshire's finest, Izzy Rowland. That's all happening as well because it is Friday. After all, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Poorer families are now facing the threat of PCOW's electricity rationing. Experts are warning that surge pricing tariffs could force households to limit their use, which basically means that if you're at a peak period of when lots of people are using their electricity, which is presumably early evening, pre- presumably early morning before you're cooking breakfast and taking the kids to school, that kind of thing, um, it's going to be more expensive. I mean, what is going on? Is somebody, anyone out there going to start reining in the greed of these power companies? Because believe me, these people are not just responding to wholesale prices. They are absolutely making a mint out of you and me and everybody else. Let's talk to Ruth London. Hi, Ruth. Yes, they are making a mint. And not only the retailers, but the wholesalers are making a mint. Yes. A mint. The uh, North Sea oil and gas companies clocking up record profits and we say there's plenty of money around in their hands and in the hands of a lot of people who've got quite rich over the pandemic mm. a lot of corporations have increased their profits many fold yes. and there's plenty of money and it should be used to make sure that people can keep their heating on well exactly because so far the government's measures seem to me to be pretty paltry and, and not really very worthwhile whatsoever. I mean, to promise people some money back off their council tax, which is only if you happen to to live in four particular bands, and it's not really more than about 12 quid a month, to promise people a loan uh, that they haven't asked for in October, by which time prices will have gone even higher through the roof than they are now. I mean, surely there must be something else they can do. There is indeed. We're calling for something called energy for all, which would be a pricing system where everybody gets enough for the basics, enough energy to heat the home, cook, keep the lights on, not be profligate with it, but just some security so Mm. that people don't actually die. Because at the moment, you know, even before the pandemic and before these price rises, about 10,000 people were dying in this country in cold homes. That's absolutely scandalous and unacceptable. We think instead of a system where you pay a standing charge, even if you've cut down your usage to nothing, you should have a system where you have the basic energy and then start paying for amounts Mm. over that. And we think that because there is so much money in the system, you know, the the absolutely massive super profits that are being made now, uh, and because there are patriotic millionaires calling for a change in the tax system where richer people would be taxed to make sure that poorer people don't go cold and hungry. You know, because of all that, we think that this is very practical mm. and it should be done and it can be done. Yeah. See, we I'm... have a petition for it, actually. OK. And you can tell uh, us where people I... can sign that uh, in a moment. But let me ask you this. My problem with, with taxing people more, right, is that actually you're encouraging the greed of these companies, whereas I would rather see the companies perhaps being taxed more rather than the people being taxed more to pay more money to people who have already got all the money. We certainly are in favor of companies being taxed more and particularly fossil fuel companies, because let's face it, the money that they keep is invested in fossil fuels and the fossil fuels are very volatile in price, as we've seen, and they're also destroying the planet. And that has all sorts of horrendous repercussions. Yeah, but one of the the reasons, Ruth, one of the reasons that these prices are so high is because we pay a 20 percent a, t- a telly on um, a tully really a tariff on the on the green 
subsidy, and we've asked in, in some MPs have asked, have asked for that to be removed because it would make the bills for, for a start 20% cheaper. Surely that's a good idea, isn't it? No, it's absolutely not. First of all, you know, you're throwing a lot into that 20%. Some of it is warm home discount, which actually pays for people to uh, heat their homes when they otherwise couldn't afford to. Uh, and a lot of it goes to eco, which is insulation. And insulation is one way to make sure that our homes are warm, that people aren't dying of fuel poverty, and that we reduce carbon emissions. And that's a, this is actually a very tiny proportion. The, the increase now has nothing to do with the so-called green levies. The increase now has to do with the fact that the gas companies, whose costs have not gone up, have just realized that with increased demand, they can charge more, and they are taking advantage of that and charging more and leaving people cold and hungry as a result. We don't think that's acceptable. We do believe in taxing more on the companies, but we also believe that there are some individuals who are, let's face it, you know, buying yet another house in the Maldives or, or you know, the Caribbean or jet setting into space and they can afford it. And some of them are saying we want to afford it. We would like higher taxes on us and less on poorer people who are now being asked for more through national insurance. Yes, but that's why I don't understand why you wouldn't support my wish to reduce that 20 percent, because if the prices are going up, the government's getting more tax because it's 20 percent of a higher number. So they could at the very least, even if you wanted to keep it in principle, reduce it to 10 percent, they'd probably still get the same money they were getting this time last year with 20 uh, and at least that would help people a little bit the the money that's that would be saved by taking that off would only reduce what's available for people to keep warm and insulate our homes and insulation is absolutely vital you know we're heating the streets if the insulation programs hadn't been cut 10 years ago, as they were, 90% cut, then we wouldn't be suffering as we are with these increases Yeah, but you now. can't insulate all the homes in this country. That's a part of the problem, isn't it? Because the insulation... Well, you can, actually. Well, no, you can't, actually, because the insulation programme uh, was actually deemed to be partially useless because a lot of people's homes that have been insulated are now suffering because they weren't done properly and they're now suffering from dampness. That is right. That is absolutely right, and it has to be done properly. It has to be done in a controlled way with trained well-paid, well-monitored contractors, and there has to be accountability to the people whose homes are being insulated. But people are all over the country are crying out for insulation because they're suffering. They're suffering from air pollution. You know, they're suffering from noise and they're suffering from cold. And this is wasted money and wasted lives, really, because the work that could have been done hasn't been done. But insulation isn't the answer, is it? Because what you're doing, again, effectively, is spending more money in order to keep these companies rich. I'm surely the only answer is to tax them. We do believe in taxing the companies, uh, but insulation is a big part of the answer, and switching to renewable energy is another part. But for the But we haven't got enough renewable think... energy, Ruth, have we? Because every time we try to rely on renewable energy, it turns out that there isn't enough of it. We haven't now because there's effectively been a ban on onshore wind and that has to change. Can I just come back to the pricing, though, because at the moment we have an when you say a ban on sorry, hang, hang on a minute. When you say there's a ban on onshore wind, what do you mean by that? I mean that it's the uh, processes that people have to go through to get permission to uh, build uh, uh, wind farms on land are so biased that it's almost impossible to do it. But there's loads, of, wind, of, but there's loads of wind farms all over the country, though. There are, yes, but there need to be more. Yeah, but there's Can not a I ban on it, is there? The, That's not right. It's not, it's not, it's in effect a ban, but it's well, not it's not a ban. A ban. No, it's not a ban, I, thank you. 
sorry. I, I really want to come back to the pricing yeah, right. because I just want to make sure we get the facts more. out there to people. That's all. Yeah. Okay. People pay more for their energy if they use less. We want to turn that on its head so that the basics are covered. And the petition for that is on our website, fuelpovertyaction.org.uk. And it's been rocketing off. We've had over 200,000 signatures in just a very few days. And I think that shows that people in this country believe that we can afford enough for people not to be dying in poverty. We can afford that. And, the what money you ask, is there. and what exactly are you asking for, Ruth, in that petition? We're we're asking for energy for all, for a band of energy to be free for people to cover the basics, and for that to be paid for out of windfall taxes and and into the subsidies on fossil fuels, because now they're being subsidised to a high, you know, a high degree. Yes, but don't you think also that the subsidies to all of these uh, fuel sources is, is essentially wrong? Because an awful lot of people are getting very wealthy as well uh, on the renewable energy markets and the, and the renewable energy companies, which get subsidies from government which is effectively from taxpayers money and i think now that we are in this particular squeeze um you know we have we've there's lots of reasons and lots of experts have told me lots of different reasons for why oil and gas prices are so high many of them are because we don't have any of our own anymore we don't actually research it and we don't go and drill for it anymore because that was considered to be the bad way to go um so surely the best thing if you want to reduce prices is to take advantage of everything you can take advantage of and make as make it as cheap as possible Best thing is to take advantage of the uh, resources that we have as an island in wind, waves, uh, tides. You know, we're very well resourced to have cheap energy in this country. And you just need to uh, um, invest to begin with, and then it will be a great deal cheaper than it is now. But we're told that a lot of the subsidy that we pay currently is going into that investment. If you actually look at the figures, you'll find that a huge amount is going into subsidizing fossil fuels. You know, the fossil fuel companies in well, the North the, Sea- Well, no, the Green Levy is not going into fossil fuels, is it? No, that's true. But it, that is nothing compared to what's going into, in, into, for instance, decommissioning plant. Now, if you have a restaurant, you don't say, okay, you, you have to fund the production of the meals, but we will deduct the tax, deduct tax for the job that you have washing up afterwards. But in the North Sea, they're saying you have to fund the drilling, but we will deduct all your costs for decommissioning the rigs afterwards. That's not right. That's a huge proportion of the cost of these enterprises, and that's being paid by the taxpayer. Well, that's because we want them to be decommissioned properly, presumably. No one will just leave them sitting there, do they? Commissioned properly anyway. That that should be part of the license conditions. Well, it should be. That but doesn't I mean, mean I that we have to pay for that. I think, Ruth, you're barking up the wrong tree here. Surely the point is, if you want to make fossil fuels um, outmoded and outlawed, that's one thing. But what we're trying to do here is make energy affordable for people. And the best way to do that, surely, is to take advantage of the cheapest energy. The cheapest energy is the energy that comes for free from the sun, the wind, the tide. Well, it doesn't come that for free to us, energy. does it? But it doesn't come for free to us. It and doesn't there's not, yet. And there's not enough of it. It needs it needs investment. It needs proper government investment. And some places have done that. Some places in the world have invested and are benefiting from that now. But the UK has got stuck not only on fossil fuels, but on fossil fuels for profit. You know, Norway. Yeah, but you're is beginning to sound like some you're, you're beginning to sound like somebody assets. from Extinction Rebellion, Ruth, when you're supposed to be representing poor people who can't afford to heat their homes. They don't care where their where their fuel comes from. They just want to be stay warm, don't they? 
I'm sorry, that's not what we found at all. People in this country usually think that climate change is an enormous worry, not only for no, ourselves, don't. but for that's our children. That's not true. Well, that isn't true, I'm afraid. Some people well, do, that, but not all of them. That, no, not absolutely all, but a vast majority do. And it no, is it's not, not a vast majority either. Have, it's not a vast majority, a Ruth, I promise you. It's a slander to think that people who have less money are less concerned about the environment. You know, people in the countryside. Well, I speak to people. I speak to people every day that have ordinary jobs, who live ordinary lives, who are not in any way wealthy, and what they want is cheaper energy. They don't really care where it comes from, but they want to be able to afford it. Yes, of course. Everybody wants to be able to afford it. I do. You do. Everybody we speak to wants to be able to afford to keep warm. That's why we want a system which has energy for all so that the people who have least are not left out and forced yes, to pay but if higher you keep prices making people than pay, richer people. But if you keep making people pay for high prices for energy because you're obsessed with climate change, that's not going to help anyone. But Ruth, listen, I've got to run. Thank you very much indeed. Ruth London there from Fuel Poverty Action, um, who seems to think more about climate change than she does about helping people pay less for their electricity. I'm not sure if those two things can go together, but they have got a petition. If you want to go and look at it, uh, fuelpovertyaction.org is where you find it. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.